Wake up, wake up, wake up. It is Friday, December 22nd, which means we're three days away from Santa having come down the chimney, put the presents under the trees, stuffs the stockings, then you stuff yourself, and then hopefully it's the 49ers finishing off another team that is uh, we got another bird in town. Here come the Ravens and Larry. It is good to see you. I am under the weather, but there are no days off, baby. We got a big game coming up. It's amazing how often the 49ers are playing the game of the year, but we get that again. And this time it comes on Christmas night. Good morning. Good morning. No days off. No <laughs> days off. The Bill Belichick uh, refrain. Um, <clears throat> week 16 in the NFL has arrived. It seemed like just yesterday it was week one. The Rams last night, uh, you know, are currently in the sixth playoff standing. Um, and who knows, based on what we saw last night, maybe the Rams, some people are saying the Rams remind them a little bit of the Niners from 2021 and that maybe they'll be able to knock somebody off. If they're the sixth seed, they could get Dallas. And um, wouldn't that be something? I'm already hearing them build as the team that no one wants to play. You know, I'm not even disagreeing with that. And Sean McVay knows what he's doing. When that offense is humming, it hums. So, um, yeah, that is going to be a dangerous opponent. And let's be totally honest, it's an opponent that if the Niners win their next two games of the regular season here, Larry, they're not going to have to worry about the Rams in the final game of the regular season. And that's pretty much the goal. Like, I think one of our strengths is we don't look forward. We don't talk about three games in a row, four games in a row, or anything like that. But the goal here is win the next two, and then that Rams game won't even matter at all. That's a Sam Darnold start. That's a rest everybody. That's all the carries in the world for J.P. Mason and company. So, you know, that's the goal of the next two weeks is to render the final week of the regular season completely irrelevant. And that's what the 49ers certainly want to do. And I'll tell you, that's what the Ravens certainly want to do here, too. Before we go on any further, though, Larry, are you on a spaceship? Are you on a spaceship right now? Let's talk about this new studio. You look fantastic, brother. This is uh, this is a, a really nice project that you had done. Well, thank you. Um, my good friend Jim Hoffman, who uh, is, is runs a, a flooring company, um, you know, I we talked to him. He's picked out some flooring and some hardwood floors and basically said, Hey, look, let's uh, change up the backdrop. And he built me the studio originally in 2011. Um, I've had this ever since. And I, at the time it was a radio only studio. So it was all carpet and pad on the wall and it's still some carpet and pad in front, but behind it's wrapped in uh, hardwood. So yeah, it's, it comes out great. And it's, you know, we can, we can change the color by theme. You want to talk a little warriors? Oh, Oh, that. We can talk a little Warriors. Want to talk a little Giants? They lost out on Yamamoto. We can talk a little Giants, a little Orange. But um, since we're going to talk a lot of 49ers, we'll go with a little red. I like it. It looks like uh, a, you should call the show the sports sauna. You look like you're in a sauna. Exactly. Nothing but hot takes coming out of the sauna. I should just come with a little towel around the neck. Oh, totally. yeah. Oh, totally. yeah. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's a grind at the office, but I love <laughs> getting in here and sweating it out. It's uh, it's a huge game. I mean, the the phrase "you got yourself a Super Bowl preview" is probably used a little bit too liberally, but when you're this late in the season, like it officially applies to this game, this matchup. Larry, we got ourselves the two best records in football in a week where everyone's got to put their best foot forward. You know, the the mission of sewing up that one seed is still very much in the plans for both of these teams. And I just think we're going to have ourselves a dogfight. I'm also saying I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers lost this game, to be totally really? honest with you. Yeah, I, I really am. I mean, uh, I, I'm a little apprehensive. I've been watching a little bit more Ravens film just getting ready this week, and I've kind of been sick. So I've been, you know, just, just I won't say I've been grinding the tape. Larry, they can play. That's a big, nasty football team that's coming into town. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, as as we watch every single snap of Brock and uh, and 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 Christian McCaffrey who are very much you know two guys on the same team in the same MVP conversation we're going to have the three most legitimate might be MVP conversations on the same field 
on Sunday because that's who Lamar Jackson is. And he has been one man armying this offense pretty much most of this season. And the fact that he does it is, is really something else. I mean, if Lamar were in a division that we cared about a little bit more on a team that had a higher profile on the West coast, we'd be talking about this guy all the time. He is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, everybody knows Lamar Jackson, you know, he's, you're talking about a guy who once upon a time at four, three speed, he's got great vision as a runner. Um, he's courageous. He's not afraid to take a hit. He'll hold the ball for a long period of time and break your defense down. But I like the Niners to win this game and, and to potentially win it big. And here's why the Ravens lost Keaton Mitchell. And I know people say, what Keaton Mitchell, how could that guy make that big of a difference? Um, he was an undrafted free agent running back out of East Carolina, but he's, you know, five foot 10, 215 pounds and super fast. And he had emerged as their number one running back with the injury to JK Dobbins and, and Mitchell went down last week with a knee injury. So now you've got 240 pound Gus Edwards. You got justice Hill, who was a fourth round pick in 2019. He's never really established himself. I just don't see, you know, the Niners last week struggled to stop Dermacato and Connor the week before they struggled against uh, Kenneth Walker, the third and, um, and, um, Charbonnet from UCLA, the rookie running back. Those guys are quite a bit better than Justice Hill. And I just don't see the Ravens running the ball. And I don't, and I I think if you can make the Ravens one dimensional, uh, they've got good, but not awesome receivers. And um, Ronnie Stanley, their left tackles banged up. Um, You know, I think the Niners can, can definitely win on the line of scrimmage in this game. And then on, as far as the defense, the Ravens, have a great defense. And on paper, you look at them, Damon, and say, man, Michael Pierce is like 360 in the middle. And, um, you know, Travis Jones is like 330, and Matabuke from AM, 310. They got a huge uh, defensive line. Well, and they got Ro- Darnold. I mean, he's unbelievable. Yeah, Matabuke is ma- amazing. And he's had a sack or at least a half sack in 11 straight games. I, I, I meant Aaron, Aaron Donald. Yeah. I, I, I get my Rams all confused. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but then they got Roquan and Patrick Patrick Queen behind them, and you look at that and you go, "Oh man, how does anybody ever run?" But if you look deep into the numbers, you know the Ravens have struggled to defend. Um, you know teams that use the fullback and have the two backs. The Niners use a ton of twenty-one and twenty-two personnel. Um, I, I really think you know that they, they go. The Ravens go with some lighter boxes to help them on on in pass defense. And um, I just really think that you're going to see the 49ers both run the ball and stop the run. And I expect as long as Purdy can continue to play the way he's playing, which is kind of, you know, high, high end football where he makes plays and he takes care of the football. I think the 49ers are going to win this game by 10. That'd be fantastic. I mean, I hope you're right, Larry. There's no doubt about it. It'd be great to see Sam Darnold taking more knees uh, and victory formation because yet another fourth quarter, you can lift your starting quarterback out of that game. That would be ideal, obviously. But along with the three best MVP candidates, I think we have in the NFL on the field, you've got yeah. the four best linebackers in football on the field. I mean, when you look at Warner and Greenlaw, we all know what they do. Just look at what um the, the, the Roquan, yeah. I mean, Between Roquan, I mean, again, all you need to know about the Chicago Bears is that they decided to give up on this guy. He's the fourth leading tackler in the NFL right now. He's just a tackling machine. And Queen really is like the queen on the chessboard. That guy can move in any and all directions. He will blitz more often um, than, than Roquan Smith will, who just cleans up everything behind him. And like you said, Matabuke is just a beast. And absolutely, he is maybe, Larry, the best defender in football we don't talk about often. I don't know if it's because he's got a name that a lot of people don't want to pronounce because they think they're going to trip all over it. I don't know if it's because the Baltimore Ravens don't receive nearly the amount of attention a team that as good as them should receive by the national media. But this guy is just, he's hes an all-pro. I mean, he, he is he's having a monster season right in plain sight. Nobody's talking about it. The guy's got 12 yeah. and a half sacks. Oh, I know. No, he's big time. He's big time. Um, and and he's a pass rusher, you know, at 310. 
So he's he's a force for sure, and he has to be accounted for. Um, but you know, once again, I think the how do you how do you neutralize a a pass rush? I mean, they, you also I mean, you even mentioned guys like Clowney, right? They got they've got Clowney, they've got um Adolf, uh, Odofe Owe off the edge, who's got like four three speed. I mean, he they've got they've got an ability to put some heavy rush on you as well. But I I just really think when you when you look at the 49ers, the best way to counter a team like this is to run it right at them, run it right at them. And, and when you look at um, at the Ravens, they're dead last in EPA per rush. They're dead last in success rate. Uh, they're dead last in yards after contact per rush. They're number four worst What's in yards rhyme? per carry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. What's no, the no. reason? To any of that, because you look at their defense, either the talent or the fact that they're the number two ranked defense in the NFL right now. And where, where does that weakness come from? Why is that such an incomplete on their report card? It's because Mike McDonald likes to play with the light boxes to um, to help them in, in the pass coverage. So maybe he makes adjustments in this game. Um, but yeah, I mean. They're susceptible to the ground game because they play with light boxes. They they'll devote one more guy to coverage. Now, a lot of people will say, "Hey, you know, we saw it last week against the Cardinals. Cardinals had uh, multiple snaps where they dropped eight into coverage, and it's proven that you can't you can't blitz Brock Purdy. So maybe dropping eight into coverage and making him be accurate with the football is the way to go. But when you do that and you play with light boxes, you do open yourself up to the run. And in situations where they've gone against, you know, teams with tw- who run a lot of 21 and 22 personnel, their run defense just has gotten gashed. And if you look at the Niners run offense, they use two running back sets on 60% of their rushes. That's the second highest rate of any offense in the NFL. So, um, that's, you know, that's to me where this game gets, is going to be won. I, I think, I think the 49ers are going to run it and I think the Ravens are going to struggle to run it. And ultimately that's the beginning of, of kind of the football equation. Yeah. Um, and then it comes down to the quarterback and, and if Lamar, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that the MVP could be decided on Monday night. If, if Purdy or McCaffrey is a monster day and the Niners win, uh, those guys are going to emerge as the favorites for the MVP. If if Lamar has some amazing day where he runs for 100 and throws for 285 and three touchdowns, then he's going to emerge from Monday night as the favorite to win the MVP. But I really think it's, especially when you look at the audience size and how many people are going to be watching this game, the impact that it could have, um, I think this game is going to go a great distance to determining that award. So McCaffrey's got two touchdowns rushing on the ground, two touchdowns in the air for Brock Purdy. It's first and goal from the one Shanahan sends in a run play and Purdy changes it at the line for a quarterback sneak. Cause he wants the MVP. <laughs> and suddenly the Niners chemistry is just totally ruined. It's a, it's a disaster. They hate each other. They've won by 14, but Oh, the locker room's been torn apart over this MVP <laughs> war between these two. Uh, look at me player. No, look, it just, I mean, there's no chance of that happening. And I think that that's what makes this team a little bit special. Um, Brock, if Brock Purdy knows that Christian McCaffrey can win the MVP, he's going to feed him. I mean, like, I really believe that. I, I really believe that. And vice versa. If there's anything Christian McCaffrey can do to get Brock that trophy, it's like the two of these guys absolutely want the other to win it, one of the two to win it. And it would be really, really cool. It's 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 a world that doesn't exist. I mean, here's the, they, they almost should get co-MVP. Because I honestly, Larry, we had a co-MVP. It's hard to tell who's who's more important. It really is. Now, Brock is doing things that when a quarterback does these things, the quarterback wins the award. But we might um, we, we might get an all-time 49er franchise touchdown total out of Christian McCaffrey before this year is over. So um it, it's it's really it's one A and one B. I mean, the choice is is you you can split it down the middle. That would be fair. I mean, it's happened before. It's not like it's never happened before. We have seen the MVP award split before. Um, personally, I, I just think it's it's Purdy's. It's Purdy's award. Now, here, this is how I look at it. CMC's awesome, right? He's first in the league in rushing, first in scrimmage yards, first in yards after contact, first in 10-plus yard runs. 
the Niners are a run first offense um, and he's been the key figure and they've won 10 of 11. Okay. So there's lots of reasons to love CMC as the, as the uh, MVP. But I mean, when, when, with Brock Purdy, I, I really think what we're looking at is we're looking at a guy who may is making it look so easy that we take it for granted. Well, and that's and, what the great ones do. The great, yeah, you, you watch Michael Jordan it. play basketball and you want to yeah. go and play basketball in your backyard. You know, you're like, that looks easy. Yeah. Or Steph. Yeah. Steph makes it look easy. And and Purdy's making it look easy. And yet we all know it isn't easy. And then we got a firsthand glimpse last week when he went out for a couple of plays that Sam Darnold came in. He run running the exact same plays with the same play caller, with the same weapons. But the timing's a little off, the accuracy's a little off, and suddenly the completed uh, layup pass to Kittle is off his fingertips. But I was told it was a system, Larry, that right. you and I could be the quarterback, and it wouldn't make much of a difference because there's so much talent around this nameless, faceless, talentless quarterback that it shouldn't matter at all. What gives? Right. Well, that's the other thing, too. It's like, and and if you're going to have the system debate, then CMC is a, a system running back because both Purdy and CMC have the same system, and they both benefit from having a bevy of of weapons around them. Right. But McCaffrey's so, done it in another system. So it's, it's his talent now because he was very good in Carolina for a few years there. So it's clearly, you know, he's proven that he's more than a system. I mean, basically this debate of system that, that it has, he been on two teams because we heard this nonsense about Tom Brady. I mean, the man is literally got six Lombardi trophies in new England or whatever the total was, or however many we went to. And you still had some people saying, well, it's all Bill Belichick. And when Tom Brady leaves Bill Belichick, he's never going to win anything. And then he goes to Tampa. And what do you know? They win the Super Bowl. And then finally, like the last remaining holdout of the, do you think Tom Brady's good idiots had to admit, okay, it's more than Belichick. It's more than just the Patriots way. He's pretty good too. So really this system argument is a disguise for he's only been on one team. That's all. It's, that's all it is. Well, exactly. I mean, Damon, there were people that didn't believe that Joe Montana was going to be any good in Kansas City, and he got them one step away from winning the Super Bowl himself in Kansas City at an advanced age. And then, and then you look at how great is Belichick after Brady? Hmm, they're not too good. How great was George Seifert with the Carolina Panthers after he won a Super Bowl with the 49ers? Uh, he won two, won one with Joe, and he won one with Steve. Um, how good of a how good of a head coach was he when he went to Carolina? Hmm, he wasn't great, so I don't, you know. But to me, you got to decide on on you know a couple things. One, first of all, you know every quarterback plays in a system. It's not like there's there's a quarterback that doesn't play in a system. You don't think Patrick Mahomes plays in a system under Andy Reid and with all those weapons? He's playing in a system. Every quarterback in the entire league plays in a system. It's just a matter of do you play in a good system with a great play caller who's making, you know, maybe locked in with great weapons and complementary pieces. Um he's playing right now Purdy behind you know the best football in the NFL on the NFL's best team with maybe one of its best play callers and arguably some of the best weapons. But if you ask me, what's the key stat it's yards per attempt. And he's got a 9.9 yards per attempt to first down. And that, yeah, exactly. Every time he drops back to pass, he's thrown for a first down basically. And he's, that's the third highest mark in the history of the NFL, right? It's 9.9 yards per attempt, by the way, whether he completes the pass or not, it's a first down. Well, and Purdy's averaging only um, he's doing this basically in three quarters or three and a half quarters. He's only averaging 5.4 pass attempts in the fourth quarter. He's only playing 12.6 snaps per game in the fourth quarter. Those are very low numbers. His he he's making it look easy and his numbers um, would be inflated if he just played on a different team where he played more. The other reason I really like Purdy to win this award He's playing great right now. He didn't pile up a bunch of stats in September in warm weather. If you take his last six games and extrapolate it out to a 17-game regular season, he's thrown for 4,992 yards with 48 touchdowns and only six interceptions. I mean, I'll round that up to five 
2050. My God, right. that's, that's, that's MVP. That's MVP. And and then the other one to me, that's just absolutely, you got to give it to him. I mean, he's a second year player who's first in every, almost every major category, right? QBR yards per attempt, touchdown passes, touchdown to interception ratio. And then he, the efficiency is off the charts. He's only thrown the ball 27.4 times per game. That's 21st in the NFL. And yet he still leads in touchdown passes. Second so the yards. efficiency is amazing. Yeah. And then the Elias Sports Bureau had a stat. Brock Purdy this year is the fifth quarterback since 2000 to lead the NFL in these two categories. Yards per attempt and touchdown to interception ratio. The previous four guys all won the MVP. So I'm watching the Lakers Celtics thing the other night and cornbread Maxwell comes on and he's like, man, I was the finals MVP. And, you know, for the five years before I won it, they gave away a car. And for the five years after I won it, they gave away a car. And when I won it, they gave me a watch, you know, <laughs> and it was like, what the heck? Well, I mean, come on. Are we gonna get? Are we gonna make this a quarterback award for what the five years going into this, and we're gonna make it a quarterback award after this? But because Brock Purdy's Mister Irrelevant, now it, he can't win the MVP. I mean, not to mention he came back from major elbow surgery in the offseason, and yet Demar Hamlin's gonna be the comeback player of the year, so he's not gonna win that award. And then it's like Kyle Shanahan is not one of the favorites for coach of the year, so. People don't aren't going to give him the award. Right. So we we just going to have an excuse for why the 49ers get shut out of all these major awards as they're the best team in football. I mean, come on. This guy's the MVP. He's played like it. He deserves it. And not to get too flowery about this team and its mental mindset, if you will, they don't care. There's only one award that they want to Lombardi trophy and any awards given, but the Lombardi trophy will feel like this season comes up way short. I mean, that's where they are. That is the pressure that is on this team to keep winning all the way to and through the final game of the year in Las Vegas. So it is a unbelievable journey that we've been on to this point. And we still have an unbelievable journey in front of us. I mean, we're more than halfway through it. We all know that there's just three regular season games left, but just assuming, I mean, just, and it's, it's stupid to even assume, but let's say the Niners really are in position to where they're only playing two games. There's five games between now and Las Vegas, five games, Larry, you know, five football games is a football lifetime unto itself. So much can happen. So much can go wrong between now and then it's uh, it, it it's, you know, when you start sitting in the casino, it's exciting when they give you house credit, it gets even more exciting. And then they go ahead and they usher you into that high rollers room. Now it's really exciting, but it's a little scary too, because fortunes can be won and they can be lost quickly. So it's just everything you could ever want out of a football season. This team is already to this point, given it to you. Can they wrap it all up? Can they seriously put a bow on what's been just a spectacular season? I mean, everyone is going to say it's an incomplete without a Lombardi trophy, but I'm going to tell you right now in all the years that I've been covering this team, and maybe it's a little something to do with being over here on YouTube now, Larry, and, and us carving out our own little path to, to, you know, sports relevancy over here that has made it really exciting. But I don't think, you know, fans are watching this and I hope that they're appreciating it in real time. This has been a spectacular season of football out of this team and the storylines, the talent, the performances, it's been, it's been awesome. I mean, it's been really a pleasure to cover this team and there aren't a lot of 49ers teams. You can say that about while well, we've been covering the 49ers. It's been like four or five really all right, this team's important seasons that we've covered, and none has felt more important than this one. Yeah, and yet I'll, I'll tell you from just being in that hey, room. Look at, Ike. look at Ike's coming in here and say, "Go get him, Larry." Ike, Ike wants a new background. Ike, Ike, I, I need, I need a sandwich. I need, a, I need an Ike sandwich. I, I need the, I need the LK. Um, I, you know, somebody came up to us, uh, came up to me the other day and said, uh, "Hey, by the way." I know you do that for the wake up for the wake up show with Damon. Can you tell him that 
his sandwich is my favorite sandwich at Ike's. Nice. nice. And I'm like, what's on there? He's like, well, I think it's onion rings. Do you have like an onion ring in there? It's it's so it's it's ribeye steak, onion rings, little provolone cheese, and then a little steak sauce on it. It's like a steakhouse. It's like the sandwich you would make for yourself if you took your steakhouse leftovers home with you the next day. <laughs> I would like to do a Thanksgiving sandwich, Ike. Just you know, uh, one. that's the thing. It's already on the board. Tur- a turkey breast, just just gravy, no, nothing else. Turkey breast, just gravy. Maybe a couple cranberries in there. Ooh, that would be so good, <laughs> so good. And you know what it is? It's the day after turkey sandwich, but at Ike's. You know, you know the day after tur- after uh, Thanksgiving, where you you get the turkey and then you put it in there. And then you you know you get the gravy and you just warm it up and you pour it over the top and you just oh my goodness that's Larry the way that you're lit up in your amazing. new studio it makes you look like a sports angel <laughs> thank you yeah, you thank do you. you look like a celestial being you look like you're not even of this earth right now it's it's I'm mesmerized by the power of this studio it's I'm, a great really studio impressed. we we have a neon we have a neon uh, Krug show light coming what? so. Yes, we're going to have a neon up here or over here. We're going to have to figure out exactly how to place it. But, yeah, we're going to have a Krug show neon that with the logo and the whole deal. Um, oh, it's and, time. Yeah, I mean, it's it looks it's great. Be nice. It's it looks be great. Nice. Hey, let me welcome everyone. If you're just joining us and look, I know a lot of people already got today off. I've been seeing in the chat, Larry, there's a lot of it's not just wake. Look at Ike. Ike says, let's eat a pig in a pickle soon. There you go. Look at Ike. He's the best. He's the absolute best person you're ever going to run into in your life. Um, you, it, We got people waking and baking with us because it's a day off for most people, Larry. And, uh, <laughs> and so we got we, we got a very happy chat room. We got a very killing me in here. Very happy fan base. And uh, why wouldn't you be? And, and here it is. The Niners for the third time this year are in the game of the year. I thought that the the earliest game of the year we got was Niners Cowboys followed by Niners Eagles. And now Niners Ravens is hands down the most interesting game remaining, like in the schedule. I mean, it really is. And it's a legitimate Super Bowl preview. It's a home game for the 49ers. Levi stadium is going to be packed on Christmas night. And it's, I'm glad that it's not an afternoon game. Like everyone can get their Christmas out of the way and then go get ready for this one. So, well, I wonder if people will, how, if the tailgating will be down, will people still tailgate uh, with a vengeance or will they kind of, you know, will they eat at home and kind of just come to the game? Just be in your seat at kickoff. That's all I care about. <laughs> it's just, just, you don't want a half empty stadium at kickoff. That's old Levi's, hopefully. Not, you know, remember when they used to have, uh, Santa Clara Heights there, the really nice, the nice, thicker, cushionier seats in between the 40s. That thing used to be empty. Like the, the, the stadium would be kind of full, except the nice seats would all be totally empty. About well, exactly. Well, especially in the third quarter, people would go it's in the early part of the year where it's super hot. People would go in for a drink at halftime to the club level and never to return. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. It's like, it is pretty cush inside, so I can understand why. I want to talk about the unappreciated John Harbaugh. If we were ranking the least appreciated great coaches in this league with pelts on the wall, I and I did this segment this week on my show, Larry, is, is Mike Tomlin the white Jim Harbaugh or, excuse me, or John Harbaugh? Or is John Harbaugh? No, excuse me. It is. <laughs> I, I get this I, right. I've been sick, but you know what I'm saying. We got two guys who are really, really good, who are totally unappreciated because their teams play power football. So the coaching gets overlooked. It really does. But Mike Tomlin is either the black John Harbaugh or John Harbaugh is the white Mike Tomlin. Both of these guys are Hall of Fame coaches who nobody includes in their who's a great coach conversation in football. And John Harbaugh has it slipped through his fingers, I think maybe more often than anybody. Uh, and, and, and I don't know why, because it doesn't seem to be any 
piling up of injuries that really slows the Ravens down in years where nothing is going right. They still get to that eight win threshold more often than not. Um, He is, I think maybe again, it's a tie between Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh as the least appreciated, unquestionable, great coaches in this league. Well, and you know, you know what Sean makes McVay, Sean McVay has had 75 articles written about how great he, the genius he is. I've never seen one of these articles about either of those guys. Yeah. And, and Baltimore is one of the league's most well-rounded teams. They rank second in defensive DVOA. They rank fourth in offensive DVOA. Um, it really is more than John Harbaugh though. It, it goes back to Ozzie Newsom, uh, who was an, you know, a pro bowl tight end and became one of the best general managers in the game. Kind of like a evaluators out there. Yeah. Kind of. And and also kind of an NFL version of Jerry West in that he was a great player and an equally great executive. Um, And then he passed that to Eric DaCosta who, you know, so Ozzy retires, he had Eric DaCosta in house um, and DaCosta has not missed a beat and they are great at drafting and why are they great at drafting? They're great at drafting because they look for great college football players that project that have the measurables to project to the NFL. They don't fall in love with guys at the combine. They don't take guys with traits, you know, who weren't any good. I mean, they, they go from, and look at their, their number one picks in the last few years, 2016, Ronnie Stanley, one of the best left tackles in the game, 2017, Marlon Humphrey, top-tier NFL corner. 2018, Hayden Hurst and Lamar Jackson in uh, their ter- first two picks. Their next two picks were Orlando Brown and Mark Andrews. Um, 2019, they took Hollywood Brown, but, I mean, that, that was probably the worst of them. Uh, 2020, they had a first-round pick. They took Patrick Queen. They came back in round two with J.K. Dobbins. They took Justin Matabuke, who we talked about before, in round three. Uh, 2021, Rashad Bateman in the first round and Adafe Owe, who nobody knows his name because he changed his name, but he was a great pass rusher um, at Penn State under a different name, and I forget what his previous name was, but he he was tremendous at Penn State. And then 2022, Kyle Hamilton and Tyler Linderbaum. Hamilton right now is one of the greatest defensive players that nobody's talking about. He's a six foot four corner slash safety slash linebacker slash badass. I mean, he's awesome. He's an incredible football player. Um, And then this year, this last year, Zay Flowers and Flowers has made a big impact. So they draft well. They don't go for workout warriors. They look for great college football players that have the athleticism to translate that to the NFL. And they keep hitting time and time and time again. And that's part of the reason why Kyle Shanahan has been good is that John Lynch has done a very, very good job on the Niner front of stocking the cupboard. The Niners are loaded. The Niners are stacked. It's one of the reasons if Brock Purdy doesn't win the MVP, he can blame John Lynch because the Niners are so loaded um, that Kyle can't win coach of the year and Brock may not win the MVP because it's like, hey, you know, this. look at all this talent. Who wouldn't win with this group? So that's what a great GM does for you. That's why these are two of the better, better organizations in the game. No, they really are. Two two model NFL franchises are going at it on on Christmas night, and the winner of it is hands down going to be favored to win the Super Bowl. Right now, the 49ers are favored. And, you know, I, I saw that they, they, they approached Roquan Smith in front of his locker. I think you and I have been tagged. A few people have sent us this on Twitter, Larry, with him saying basically like, I like us 10 out of 10 times to beat the 49ers. I like us 11 out of 10 times. Uh, you know, I, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what Vegas says. Uh, I like us. I like my group. And, that, and that's the way he's supposed to feel coming into this game. And someone said, well, oh, the Ravens got a little bulletin board material. They're feeling slighted. They shouldn't. I don't think the 49ers have been the underdog in a single game that they played this year. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been favored to win every game. I mean, the Niners, of course, are going to be favored with a 
equal record at home over anyone when they were favored with an inferior record on the road in Philadelphia. They were the favorite in that game. There was no world where I thought the Niners were going to be giving points in Philadelphia, but they did. And by the way, they couldn't have given the Eagles enough points. There weren't enough points for the 49ers to give the Eagles to win that game for the Eagles from a betting standpoint. That's how much better the Niners were in that game. But um, it it's there's there's no insult being an underdog to the 49ers because that's the entire NFL right now. I mean, the 49ers right now have it going. I mean, you know, the they're they're really good on both sides of the football. The the stat that jumped out to me that I read this week, the Niners, when they suit up Purdy, McCaffrey, and Debo, and they're all healthy, the Niners are 18 and 0. They're averaging nearly 35 a game. And in those 18 games, Brock Purdy's got 40 touchdowns and four picks. <laughs> 18 and 0 with Purdy, CMC, and Debo all healthy. And by the way, I had a can I tell you, can I share with you my my locker room moment yesterday with Debo? Sure. This is classic. So I'm doing an interview with the newest 49er, Taylor Stallworth. Great guy from South Carolina. And we're, we're yucking it up because he's got a great personality. And he went to South Carolina, so he's friends with Kinlaw, and he's friends with Tebow. So um, so I'm in there a couple minutes later, a couple minutes late, and the PR guy's like, hey, crew, come on. You're the last guy in here. We we, we closed the media session down. You got to get out of here. So I'm you like, oh, man. Who I am? Have you seen my studio? <laughs> Do you know that I've been sent by Sports God to cover this team? Look at me. I'm a fucking angel. Exactly. You you wanted you know you wanted a 49er looking studio without 49ers in the name. I don't uh, see and we yeah. and we provided it. No, so I'm walking out of the locker room and the guy whose locker's right next to the door is Debo. And somebody shot a basketball and I think it was Ayuk and it bounced over by Debo's locker. Debo's on his phone. So I go to rebound the basketball on my way out. I pick up the ball and I go to throw it to Ayuk and Debo goes, Hey man. If you can hit a shot from here, it's like about 18 feet. If you can hit this jumper, you can interview me and ask me any question you want. One-on-one. And I'm like, all right, here we go. So I start dribbling. You don't even realize, man, I played high school ball. I start dribbling around my back and this and that. And the PR got all ready. Shoot the shot. Now I've got like an audience of like six, seven 49ers. I'm like back through the legs. Nothing but nothing. Didn't hit the rim. Didn't oh. hit the backboard. Did, I think I might have hit like a practice squad guy in the shoulder. That's was, why he talks sports, doesn't play sports for a living. <laughs> I said, ah, Debo, if you if I could have warmed up with a few more shots, and then he kind of heckled me, and I had to leave. But it was a, it was a, I would have had an exclusive for uh, for wake up with Damon and Larry with Debo if I could have just hit my jumper. You would have had an interview if you might have had a jumper. If I had a jumper. And I could have, you know, nothing but the bottom of the net. It would have been me, you, and Debo right now talking it up. I would have, uh, look at it this way. The only, the only like on-court thing that I can guarantee you will book that interview is if they start giving interviews to fat guys who set moving screens. (laughs) I would have absolutely been able to set a moving screen somewhere (laughs) in that locker room. That would have been illegal because my feet were not planted and it would have been a, it would have been a foul. But again, if, if you want a moving screen, I'm your guy. I'm like the Zaza Pachulia of moving screen media members, Larry. And for older Warrior fans, you're kind of like a Victor Alexander of uh, for some of the older school uh, Warrior fans. <laughs> Big Vic. Big Vic. Oh, hey, look at it this way. Carl Kelsick says, you got to put in those 1,000 hours, 10,000 hours, Larry, 10,000 hours on the jump shot. Seriously. Carl I got to be like Chris Mullen. The Rodfather says, Larry Al Bundy Kruger. Thank you. There you go. Poke high, baby. Poke high. <laughs> Carl, good, good Merry Christmas, Carl, to you and your entire family. He's an old school oh, KNBR man, right there. This the great Carl Kelsick. Love Carl Kelsick. Carl, that. good to see you, brother. Happy uh, Merry, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Say hello to all the Kelsicks for Damon and I. Absolutely. Um, it's hard to it's it it's easy to forget that Davian Clowney's still in this league, but he's still in this league in seven and a half sacks. I mean, he's a threat to make a play. When he's out there still, Um, we all know about the Diners defensive line and what threats that they've become. What I think 
you know, I told you, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Baltimore won this game. Like, I got a lot of respect for the Ravens. I think that they definitely have a special teams advantage. Um, Justin uh, Tucker, what a, what a kicker he is. Yeah, he's one of the best ever. And they also have a return game that can threaten you, where the 49ers return game is just hopefully it doesn't bite them in their own asses. Um, well, that's, a, you know, it's interesting you say that because I, I, I've been on this point all week. I think we're at that point in the year, Damon, where it's time to go full time to Debo as the kick returner and Ayuk as the punt returner. Just play. Ayuk was a great punt returner at ASU. Maybe the best in the Pac 12. Um, And Debo is as good a kick returner as there is. And, you know, think about it. On some teams, these guys would, because they're so good, would get the ball more than they do on the Niners. On the Niners, there's Kittle. And there's JJ and there's McCaffrey and the, and there's just a lot of weapons. So the usage of of Debo is kind of low. The usage of Ayuk is is lower than it should be. Get these guys, scheme them up a few more touches by getting them, and they're more dependable than than the alternative. Um, for that reason alone, I realize there's injury possibilities, but there's also getting your best players on the field. And um, I'd like to see it. What do you think? Uh, you know, again, that the, 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 there's an injury possibility on every single play on a football field, but there is a nature of violence that you just don't want your premium players to be experiencing on kick return and punt return. Now, playoffs, 100%, I'm with you. I would be just as cool with having anyone with a decent set of hands just fair catch every single punt the rest of this year. Just fair catch it. Just, just seriously, don't even try to make a play. Every single time the Niners try to make a play special teams wise, it nearly bounces out of their own hands and back to the other team. So just, just, just fair catch these balls. Just, just let this offense that is being led by your wonder freaking quarterback and, and MVP candidate running back do its job from the 18 yard line instead of trying to get to the 28 yard line. You know what I mean? So I, I, I come playoff time. Come Super Bowl, ha- absolutely. You you get all your best players in every position to make a play as you possibly can. But what if, what if Brandon Ayuk tore his ACL on a freaking punt return uh, against uh, against the Washington Commanders? I mean, I hear you, but what if? I'll, I'll, let me let me match that with what if. Ayuk, who's one of the great punt returners in in the game, is standing on the sideline as Ronnie Bell becomes uh, Kyle Kyle Williams or whatever, wearing number ten in the playoffs. Ronnie Bell is making me nervous. Yeah, that's part of the reason I'm advocating for this. Are and we I'm gonna, a big Ronnie Bell fan. Ray out the rest of the way, Larry. Are we going to get a good, Ray that's a good question? He's on the IR, but I don't know if he's going to return or it's a rib injury. I don't know if, if they're going to call him off the IR. I know there's limits to how many guys can be called off the IR or, ret- you know, set to return. But is let me it just like, double is check. It a cracked bone? Is it cartilage? I mean, you know, look, listen to us. We're freaking doctors. But it's causing him a great deal of pain. Uh, no, uh, he's under a lot of medication. He went on the IR only in week 14. So he's got to spend at least four weeks there, I believe. Okay. So that's that means he's on. He maybe could be activated for the playoffs. The playoffs. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, even to activate him for the playoffs at that point, I'd say get Debo or Ayuk back there. It's the playoffs. I mean, playoffs is leave it all on the field. There's no like, oh, this guy got hurt. This might this might happen. This might happen. You might go to the Super Bowl. Is what it might happen. So you just you're trying to get there as much as you possibly can. But I'm do I I'm I'm just a little little nervous about special teams on this team, but I was talking about this defensive line and the point that I, I wanted to bring up before we kind of went on from our special teams tangent. Um, thank you, Chris. Best show on YouTube. Appreciate that. Um, what I think is going to serve the 49ers well is the game that they played in Philadelphia against Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts has the ability to run in a way that Lamar Jackson has that ability to run. Lamar Jackson, by the way, is the leading rusher on the Baltimore Ravens. He he leads them in rushing yards. 
So to say that he's a running quarterback is it's exactly what he is. This guy is as likely to take off with the ball and really hurt you with it as he is just, you know, sitting in the pocket. And he's become so much of a better pocket passer, even though his weapons, you know, Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr. was left of him. Nelson Aguilar, who's just as likely to drop a big pass as he is to catch it. Like he does not have this great core. Mark Andrew went down, what, in week 11 with his broken ankle. So he has limited weapons and he's still 220 passing yards from the pocket per game while running for another 53. But I really do think that the Niners defensive discipline and you've 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 talked to Nick Bosa about this I saw the interview that you did where he's talking about their rushing lanes and keeping keeping disciplined in their rushing lanes and not curling or stunting and that just creates a harder world to run through for any running quarterback now we didn't get to see it with with Geno against Seattle because you know, it was Drew Locke's turn to play. And by the way, how about Drew Locke and Seattle and what they did for the to the Eagles? I mean, what a collapse the Eagles are going down. I'm bringing up another subject, but just what do you think about this team becoming better in one of their clear weak spots, which was dealing with a running quarterback? They did a really nice job keeping Jalen Hurts, uh, Hurts in check. They did a nice job keeping Kyler Murray in check. Uh, honestly, they did a good job against Geno first time around. You know, I don't know how many more mobile could beat you with their legs, even though Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys. He didn't do anything with his legs against the uh, the 49ers. So um, I just think that they've taken what was a weak spot and they've turned it into something that they're better at. Yeah, and it, and it's it's D line play 5.0, right? It's it's <clears throat> it's high level D line play. It's complementary football on the D line. It's as Nick Bosa describes Damon rushing as one. And that's really what they're doing. They're they're you know, it's less stunting and bodies flying left and right. Um, and everybody just wildly getting up the field to a shrinking of the pocket slowly, but with discipline. So if Bosa cuts in, the tackle's gotta cut out. You gotta keep him hemmed in that pocket. And they've done an incredibly effective job of it. Um, to me, if they continue to do that, and I asked Bosa yesterday, or yeah, I guess it was yesterday. Um, I said, Nick, you know, you guys are obviously communicating really well, and communication is a big part of rushing as one. I said, is there dialogue on the field, or is it, you know, how do you guys do, how do you coordinate uh, your, your rushing as one? And he gave, you know, Nick, who's very, succinct let's just say in his answers he doesn't give you a lot really gave me a pretty long answer but he basically said you know where they really coordinate this is in the pregame you know they'll have a pregame meeting and they'll and they'll coordinate exactly how they're going to rush as one they do a lot of dialogue as far as on this stunt we're going to do this and on this play we're going to do that um in this you know if, if we have this kind of a front we're going to keep them hemmed in this way. And if I move in, you move out and it's, and we, and I, you can see it on the film. There was a, a play against Hertz or maybe it was against, yeah, I think it was against Hertz where Bosa kind of knifed inside and Armstead saw that he knifed inside and just moved subtly outside to, to maintain the integrity of that pocket and to keep Hertz hemmed in and Hertz only had seven runs and his longest run was for seven yards and, you know, that's the one thing that's going to be a huge key in this game because Lamar can bust you for 100 and he can go the distance on any play. I mean, he's not the guy that he was coming out, um, but when he came out, he was running four, three and breaking tackles. He's not quite that guy anymore, but he's still a very dangerous threat to run at any point. So that's going to be key that they rush as one. The other key is just wrapping up. I mean, you've seen the numbers. The Niners missed 16 tackles last week. Yeah, they miss they miss fourteen against Seattle the week before. That's thirty missed tackles in two weeks. They missed twelve against Philly. Forty two missed tackles from the 49ers in the last three and games. That's not who they are. I mean, they're about as fundamentally sound team you're going to find defensively when it comes to wrapping and planting guys. When they're at their best, they meet somebody at a spot on the field, and then they don't concede any more yardage after that spot. Yeah, 
So they have to make sure. And a lot of it, I think, is just pure fatigue, to be completely honest. I think they're just fatigued. Uh, we saw it going into um, into the the bye week. I mean, look, if you look at the Niners and missed tackles just for the for the season, you know, they missed very few against like New York, Arizona, Dallas, like three and four and two. Then you get to those those three games before the bye week. They missed 10 against Cleveland. They missed nine against Minnesota and they missed 13 against the Bengals. Then they got the bye week. They got the, they caught their breath. They got more energy rested up. They came out only seven missed tackles against Jacksonville, four against Tampa, five on Thanksgiving, but the last three weeks, 42 missed tackles. So they just got to wrap. They got to wrap. They got to, they got to make sure that they don't fall off of, off of tackles and they got a gang tackle. They got to bring multiple hats to, to, you know, the ball carrier or, or the receiver or Lamar um, to make sure that they're down and it's attention to detail. They just got to be cleaner and better. And I just, I just don't think Damon, when you play 17 games in 18 weeks, it's not reality to think that you're going to bring your a game, you know, 17 times. You're just not. And so they beat Arizona without their a game. Um, and they're going to need their A game to beat Baltimore. They're going to need their A game to win the Super Bowl. To play their A game, they need Armstead and Hargrave out there. You got updates on either guy? They didn't practice yesterday. Uh, we'll see about today. Um, the media, the practice schedule this week was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, with the Monday game. So we'll see if they if they go today. I'm I'm not going to be down there to the today. I'll be down there tomorrow. But they didn't practice yesterday, neither of them. And that's really that. That actually, you're hitting on kind of a big question here. How do you play your hand of cards if you're Kyle Shanahan? You got to have Hargrave and Armstead to win the Super Bowl. But at the same time, do you force them out there against the Ravens when they're less than 100 percent and risk further injury? Uh, Hargrave's got a hamstring. Armstead's got battling some knee pain and plantar fasciitis. Anybody who's had plantar fasciitis knows that it only gets better with rest. So, I mean, I, I, I would, I think I would try to win this game and, and rest them to be honest. I I think I would rest them. So I had plantar fasciitis and I say had it because I bought the cheapest foot thing on Amazon and it just holds your foot up at a right angle while you sleep like this. And it keeps your, your, your fascia stretched throughout the evening. And in two days, my foot was good. So if you've got plantar fasciitis, just buy the thing that's 1799 on Amazon and sleep two nights with it. And you're going to be fine. I'm sure really, that's I, when the show's over, you have to tell me, give me that because uh, my wife battles plantar fasciitis. Oh, dude, having it, a hard time with it. The cheapest brace that you can find on Amazon, buy it, have her wear it three nights in a row. She's going to wake up whistling Dixie. She's going to feel so much better. Dude, that might be the greatest Christmas present of all time. Well, I'm at, when this show ends, you're going to tell me what that is. I'll order it as soon as soon as the show's over. Baby, I love you quite like a plantar fasciitis foot brace. Seriously, seriously. It beats any sweater. It beats any necklace. It beats any uh, gift that you can come up with. Yeah, because it's could, a, it, it's a terrible pain too. What could the diamond necklace if your foot hurts? You know, right? No, seriously, seriously, hey, seriously. Any, any, <laughs> anything that makes you feel better makes you feel better. By the way, the boys are up and they're official. I can hear them screaming upstairs. I don't know if you can hear them screaming through. I any- can't, but I love the Christmas card, man, with uh, the Duchess reading uh, reading books to. Is it Ozzy? Oh yeah. He's so happy his grandma's in town. I mean, he, he you guys got that card out quick and unless uh, uh, you took those pictures from uh, from years gone by because I think they, no, what I think is I, I think you might be mistaking the Christmas card for a Facebook update, but either way, there's 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 love and grandmotherly happiness all over, uh, whether it be uh, uh, grandma and grandpa from Jillian's side of the family or grandma in from Florida here on my side of the family, the kids are just surrounded and they're so happy, but they're also off of school for the next two weeks. So what in God's name do you do with the damn kids is a question we're <laughs> going to be asking ourselves for the next two weeks. And I think Jillian's dragging them all to the zoo. And I just said, it's a little early in the game to play the zoo card. Like that's a, that's a, we're halfway through this. People are freaking out. Then you play the zoo <laughs> card. She's going to zoo card right away. 
I love the zoo. You know, can I tell you my what uh, my late father, the uh, late George Kruger, used to do to us? Right, but uh, I mean, was she running flea flickers on the opening play of a game. I can't believe she's going zoo this early. <laughs> Seriously, that's that's desperation. So I, we, me and my brother, I'm one of four kids. We love the zoo. We lived in the Outer Sunset. The the, the zoo is right there. Yeah, we went. We were we were you know. We went to the zoo a ton as a kid. I mean, right. I knew that zoo oh. like the back of my hand. Um, anyway, so, but we hated to leave the zoo, right? Like all kids. Yeah. Like, you know, you're there. It's like, oh, okay, time to go. Oh, no, we don't want to leave the zoo. My dad, as diabolical as he was, used to say to us, you know, they let the lions out of the cages <laughs> at three o'clock. And seriously, Damon, we we would leave the zoo in a dead sprint we were sprinting out of the zoo it's like oh it's 10 to 3 you know they let the lions out of the cages at 3 they let the lions out of the cages let's go you're like larry bear coming down second street i'm Get larry bear down. coming down second street stop having him talk about how we lost out on yamamoto Oh, by the way, 12-year, 300 and what? Something million for him. The Dodgers have spent a billion dollars on two players. A two great players that the Giants wanted. On two players. Are the, what are the Giants ever going to – I mean, are the Giants ever going to get up? It's like, you know, they remind me of that lady who had – who you know, from that the commercial for the Clapper. Uh, you know, or, or no, no, the, uh, the emergency alert I've fallen and I can't get up. Please help me. I've fallen and I can't get up. That's the giants. They've fallen and they can't get up. They need I, help. And, and, and I love the life alert. It's a life alert commercial starring the giants. You know, We've and, fallen and we can't get up. And it felt like the giants tried to duck in duck behind the city's problems to make excuses. And I'm not saying that Buster Posey is totally talking out of turn or anything like that. And there isn't any element of reality, what he's saying, but then you get Steve Kerr saying, yeah, we don't have trouble landing free agents when we need them. And, uh, and then you got uh, uh, Scott Boris saying, yeah, the, the giants do have a problem, but it's not their own city. It's the Dodgers. That's their problem. Well, I don't know about that to be completely honest. I mean, it's uh Everybody's got a different perspective on this. Um, Rowdy Telez, you saw what Rowdy Telez said in the last day. Um, I didn't. Oh well, the the he's a you know Rowdy Telez is a big leaguer who's from Sacramento, right? Um, and he just was asked about this the other day, and he basically just said that um, for me it's the city, man. It's just bad. Um, this is what he told uh, a TV show. Now he's he grew up in Sacramento, right? And then he, he goes on to say and he we doesn't grew up, live in San Francisco, but he's going to talk about it as if he's walking the streets every day. But go says, ahead. We, but he says we grew up taking Bart into the city and all that. The last ten years has just been a bad city. It's not nice anymore. It's not clean. It's hardly safe. Now it doesn't matter if he's right or if he's wrong, because perception it, nobody's nobody's making an ironclad you know, case. I mean, it's not like somebody's proving this. It's just, if that's the perception, then that's the reality. So that's the right now, San Francisco, I'm, I'll be in San Francisco later today. I'll be taking Bart in. I'll be walking through the streets of, of San Francisco. See, Christian McCaffrey was able to survive a, an afternoon downtown in San Francisco without any security. The FBI was not staking out rooftops with snipers to guard Christian McCaffrey. And this is the sad part too. David Marazzo going, Rowdy Teles is a bum, and he's from Sacramento. Enough said. It's like so now we're going to attack anybody who has a perspective. I'll, I will say this: it's it, it is dirty, and there is tons of pools of glass, and there's a lot of smash and grabs. But it's not. It, it's really because it's behold the whole thing's become a political football, and it's gotten San Francisco's gotten a lot of bad pub, and there's no difference. Be have you been to San Diego recently? San Diego's got a homeless problem that kills San Francisco. Why? Because the weather's great. People can lay out on the street and not freeze to death in the winter. Uh, so there's tons of homeless California people in San homeless, Diego. I would definitely be a San Diego homeless before I was a Bay Area homeless. I like how would how why would you choose San Francisco, like a rough weather city for homelessness, when you got San Diego waiting for you? Yeah, 
I mean, but I'm just saying when you really look at it, um, it's the, the who makes these decisions as far as where free agents go. Your wife, you know, and 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 I, you know, I was talking to Ned Coletti about this last night, and he said, you know what? I said, Ned, is this have you in your time when you were the Giants general manager, you signed a bunch of free agents? Did you deal with wives and family members that didn't want to live here? And he's like, you know, I've I dealt with it both in L.A. You know, with where people would be like, you know, is there a lot of traffic on the freeways? And be like, yeah, there is. Um, you know, I don't know. My wife doesn't like traffic on the freeways. Well. Um, so, you know, it's one of those problems that he said, you know what, if you, if, if you're at that point where the wife is against it, you're done. And that's really what we're talking about. I I think, I think that's part of it. Also, it has a lot to do. The giants have to stop making excuses. It has to do with the fact that baseball players are really, really smart and athletes are really, really smart. You know, Steve Kerr, I've never had a problem. Yeah. Well, you weren't here, Steve in the eighties, you know? It was a problem when the Warriors were crap, you know, and you've been here and the Warriors have been great. Players know when the teams are great and they know when teams are bad. And if you're if you have a bad team with no hope to win, um, nobody's going to come here. The Giants had two starting pitchers last year and three relievers in their rotation. Their three, four, five is an embarrassment. Nobody's sprinting to get here because there's no chance of winning a World Series when you're here. Uh, based on what they have around them. So, so it, gets, it gets even worse when you see that, oh, it's, that. Not just, it's not just the Dodgers. The freaking Diamondbacks are your reigning National League champions. Yeah, they're you way know? better than you. And and the Padres have way more talent than you. And, you know, you have all this money, but you can't get anybody to take it. So the Giants have a, I, I mean, Farhan's got a, you know, he called this Yam, Yamamoto his white whale. You know, it's like, this is the guy he had to have. They weren't going to get outbid on Otani and this and that. They've aimed really, really high, which is great, but you got to quickly pivot and get aggressive and go, you know, react and go sign a Cody Bellinger and a, and a, and a, and a Snell or, you know, whatever, do something, but don't, I'll tell you what you better not do because Bay area fans are smart. You better not say, well, we had 700 million on the table for Shohei Otani and then spend 113 million on the Korean hitter. And then just basically pocket the rest and say, oh, we couldn't get the top guys and we didn't like the secondary guys. You better go spend some serious money and get aggressive and start landing dudes or you're going to be out of a gig. And look, look, Jung-Hoo Lee seems to be absolutely lovable, right? Like what a what a nice little personality he's got on him. And there is no doubt he landed back in Korea after his press conference. I mean, you would have thought the Beatles landed in in, in a Newark airport. I mean, he had 150 photographers taking pictures of him. There is no doubt you are going to be a bigger story in Korea with him on your team. But we don't know if he's going to even be able to play at this level. Uh, uh, You know, it's a projection. It's a major for for a GM that doesn't like to take risks. You just spent you just spent 19 million dollars a year. On a guy who played at the equivalent of double A. A guy, a guy who uh was commenting said, Did we just sign the Korean John Bowker? Did we just <laughs> did we did we just do we have Korean John Bowker now? Is that what this is? It may be. It's a we major risk. I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, but I mean if Farhan's he's entire career needs to be tied to this one move singularly, like I don't give a shit what else he does around the margins or the edges or the back of the roster or in his little platoon bullshit all over the field. If this guy isn't hitting like 270 by the all-star break, Farhan should be on his way out. Well, first of all, I mean, what are the expectations? You're paying him $19 million. Right. You better be an all-star. Jordan Alvarez has got the similar contract. Uh, Corbin Carroll is being paid similarly by the Diamondbacks. This guy better be a everyday guy. He better be an everyday center fielder. He better be a leadoff guy. And he better hit you 285 with at least 15 home runs and at least 10 to 12 stolen bases, or you're going to get criticized because you're giving him 90 mil. You're giving him. $19 million a year, 19 million, 19 million cannot be 270 with five homers and five steals and, right. you got and good defense and center, but a weak arm. You got I mean, to do that. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, you know, the, it's a major, major risk. Uh, so they better get going. They better get going on something or it's going to be a ghost town. You know, the bottom line is the games are all on television. And if San Francisco's not a place that people want to go and based on the Giants attendance, either San Francisco's the reason or they're the reason. But either way, their attendance is is at an all time low in this new in this ballpark. And it's sinking. If the games are on television, the games are on the radio. You can you can follow Giants baseball without spending a grand and getting your windows smashed in. So it you know you better have a you better have a, a draw. There better be a reason that people are going to say, you know what? I'm going to San Francisco and we're going Friday night's game. We're going to stay at a hotel. We're going to go to Saturday's game. We're going to go out to dinner. We're, you know, you better have a compelling draw or right. you're going to get ghosted by the fans. Well, again. And look, it's, you know, it is, I think the most perfect modern ballpark in baseball. It is Great. a gorgeous ballpark, but anyone who wanted to see the ballpark has seen the ballpark by now. You know what I mean? Like it's been around for what? Almost a quarter century now. So everyone who's wanted to go has seen it and it's not quite Wrigley field. So it's not going to be the people are flying in from all over the world just to see this ballpark because it's so historic. Um, it's not there yet. It Look will at this be. one. This one cracks me up. Lee Jung, who is a big time talent. Give it time. It's not even his name. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, Bruce Damon is a phenomenal host and Kruger. Larry's awesome as well. I mean, come on. I mean, you're talking, you're, you have more credibility calling a guy a big time talent. If you actually knew his name. No, but there is a, there is a, a, a thing with, with Asian names where you can have the surname either in front or behind. So it's there, there is some, there's some wiggle room. We'll, we'll give them there. Here's what I do know when it comes to name. Here's what I do know when it comes to names, Larry, the 49ers are such a big deal. And this show that you and I are hosting is such a big deal that they asked us to remove their trademarked 49er logo from the show because there are so many eyeballs on this show that, you know, the flagship station whose audience we dwarf whenever you and I take this probably felt threatened and made a call. And that's why the San Francisco giants would probably pay us to name this thing. Giants wake up right now. Like that's how irrelevant it feels that they have become in their own town. Like they would love it. If you and I hosted a show called giants wake up, they, they might even sponsor this, Larry, we should give them a call. Yeah, they, they I mean, they they need attention. They need uh focus. They need uh dialogue. I mean, it's, it's the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. And the giants are finding that out in the harshest of ways. They really are. They really, so they just really gotta are. Get going. I mean, there's other guys out there. All is not lost, but man, they've wasted a lot of time, man. I mean, you could have started signing free agents in you know, five days after the world series. It's now almost new year's and they don't have a lot done yet. So, uh, Farhan better get cooking, better get cooking.